I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Newsroom Robots, the podcast where we explore the intersection of artificial intelligence and the news industry. I'm Nikita Roy, data scientist, media entrepreneur, and one of the many founders currently building their ventures at the Harvard Innovation Labs. On the Newsroom Robots, I'm excited to bring you insightful conversations with industry experts about how AI is impacting the way we do journalism. Joining me today is Scott Broadbeck, He's the founder and CEO of Local News Now, which owns and operates three hyperlocal news websites covering the Northern Virginia region in the United States. A former TV news writer and producer, Scott was also a founding board member of the local independent online news publishers. In today's episode, we talk all about the challenges and opportunities of using AI in local news and especially hear about Scott's experiments with generative AI. Hi, Scott. Welcome to Newsroom Robots. I'm really excited to talk all about local news and AI and what you've been up to today. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Thanks for having me on. So, Scott, before we delve deeper into our discussion and talk all about AI, I'd love to set the stage for our listeners since you're a hyper-local newsroom in Virginia. I want to kick things off by getting started about your background, about your company, Local News Now, and where you are in your AI journey right now. Sure. So the background on the company is I worked in television news for a few years out of college and the Great Recession hit. I lost my job and I kind of saw the volatility of the, the news business and had a desire to, to get more involved on the, on the business side and kind of create my own luck as this long-term shift from traditional media to digital media was taking place. And so while out of work, I studied for the GMATs, ended up getting an MBA at Georgetown part-time, rejoined the workforce for NBC4, one of our local stations here in DC. And at some point, I realized that I was never seeing the sun because I was 
going to class at night, working overnights at NBC4, and then going to sleep. And I said, the future needs to come sooner for me. So I, I left that job and I was going to go work for, I was hoping to go work for Jim Brady, who was launching TBD.com at that point, which was this local news venture he, he did with All Britain, one of the local TV stations here, one of the other local TV stations. But he was taking a little while to, to launch it. And I decided kind of on a whim that I was just going to launch a website for Arlington where I was living because there wasn't a ton. There was like a weekly paper, but it only reached certain households and some of the more affluent areas. And I launched the site January 2010 on a whim. You know, fast forward like a year later and it's going pretty well. And people are approaching me about advertising, which is good because I launched it without kind of much of a business plan other than I'm just going to go out and do this. But people were reading, then people wanted to advertise and eventually an actual business formed. And now we... 13 years later, we're a 10-person company. We're, we're actually bringing a 10th on board in the next few weeks. We have three sites that we own and operated in ARL now, which is the original that serves Arlington, Virginia, and then sites covering Alexandria, Virginia, and Fairfax County. And we also partner with some other publishers. So Popville is uh, one of our partners. It's a site that covers neighborhood happenings in D.C. and then Potomac Local, which covers local news a little further south in northern Virginia, Prince William and Stafford counties. Yeah. And you made headlines with the Neiman Lab with your experiments that you've been doing with generative AI. So I kind of want to delve into how you've been seeing and experimenting with generative AI in your newsroom now, a decade later of starting it. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I'm usually a very slow follower on trends. I remember when... Uh, Groupon was really big and, and every news company was trying to go after daily deals. Our friends Gannett over in Tyson's had something called Deal Chicken. It was a weird time. And I've always been one to not follow some hot trend just because everyone else is doing it. But generative AI and the advent of chat GPT was different. And you know, I immediately saw this, this was something that was going to have a, a ton of utility for publishers and that we would have to be on top of. So you know, I immediately got on ChatGPT, started experimenting with stuff, posted some some novelty articles, you know, had had it write some weird poems about Arlington and whatnot, you know, rhymes. Those, are, though, were novelties. You know, it's not something that, that we're going to be able to do day in, day out. And it was pretty clear early on that it was also not a reliable platform at this point for original work. So I had it generate give me a list of the top 10 best ranked restaurants in Arlington. And some of them were real and some of them were totally made up. And none of them were, were based on actual rankings as far as I could tell. Likewise, you know, other lists and, and, and things I had to generate, there was just some stuff that just wasn't true. And so that when you're a local news business, you have a brand and, and that brand, the brand value is based on trust with readers and being authentically local and thus posting stuff just straight from chat GPT that's made up, not going to cut it. But what I kind of figured out was that, you know, others have figured this out too, is that it's actually pretty good at summarizing stuff. If you feed your original articles into it that people, paid reporters have written, if you feed that into it, it could generate some pretty good summaries. And, it, and with the right prompts, it could do different types of summaries. So everything from bullet points to, you know, in the style of Morning Brew or Axios. And that I saw that that could solve some problems for us. You know, we have a afternoon newsletter that that's basically just links to articles. 
we don't have a morning newsletter and we don't have anything that's more voicey. It's just when you're our size, you, you have to prioritize what you're spending your time on. And, and we want to spend most of our time on the editorial side on doing original reporting, you know, uncovering local stories that other people are not reporting on or, or haven't reported on in as great of a depth as we're, we've been doing. That's where we add value. That's where we bring value to our readers. So, you know, spending a few hours not reporting news and instead writing a morning newsletter just based on summaries of our own work, probably not the best use of time. But if we can have AI do that and do so in a way that's, you know, somewhat engaging and not a bad read, that was attractive. And so the Neiman Lab article was about our efforts there. They, they've advanced a bit further since then. We've figured out the one of the trickiest things, it wasn't AI, it was actually just the email formatting of how to get to work, <laughs> the, the formatting to appear consistent across desktop and mobile. So I think we've pretty much got that one fixed. And the product, the email product is pretty close to being ready to, to release without the experimental label that we currently put on it. So how does it work currently? Because like when we talk about local news, as you were saying, it's that close-knit community where the newsroom really understands its reader. And now when you're bringing generative AI, it's a whole new dimension to how local news can really be delivered. And could you talk more about how the tools that you're using to kind of generate this AI newsletter and what's really driving it? Sure. So the, another initiative that I've been doing kind of concurrent with our AI work is no-code automations. I'm not a coder. I couldn't write JavaScript code or C++ code, but I do kind of generally, uh, you know, know how technology works and how to how to link tools together. So we use something called Zapier, which is a no-code platform, to link together RSS feeds to Airtable, which is a database solution. And then link that then to ChatGPT to generate summaries from the articles that come out of our RSS feed. And then that, in turn, can go to MailChimp, our email platform, and go out as the newsletter. That's kind of the simplified way to put it. This kind of work with the no-code automations has also brought some other AI use cases to light for us. So in our newsletter, we put links to events, and we have the AI right now choosing an emoji that's appropriate for each event to make it a little easier to browse for readers. We also have the AI helping to reformat some material, outside material we get. This is mostly on the advertising side of things, but rather than manually having someone go in and have to reformat a post submission that kind of had some you know, weird HTML stuff going on with it, the AI can be asked to do that and does it pretty well. So we've, we've found some use cases. One thing you'll note here is that these use cases are not go out and report a story for me. That is not a capability that the AI currently has. I think from what I've seen, I think it's going to take a little while to get there. We'll probably get to a, a point soon where we can feel a little more comfortable feeding in a press release and having it write off a press release with a little bit of context based on things we've previously published. That context layer is something that's hard for me to do myself in the no-code automation here. But I do think that tools that can do that are coming down the pike, and, and that could give us another AI use case. But it's, again, something that it's a nice to have. It's not like a must-have. It's it's not going to replace the reporters who are going out and reporting stories and know deeply a, a community and what we've published before and the context of it and why it's interesting to people. That is something that I don't see going away in the next 10 years. And I will see there's a lot of advancement in AI happening, but that last, call it 9%, of the way there is really tough, I think, for the folks who are developing this. 
And talking about the AI right now, when you're using GPT, quite interested in knowing how you meant about dealing with the prompt engineering of creating an entire newsletter. Does it sound repetitive, cringy? What's the experiment been like? <laughs> yeah, so we had an issue early on where I asked it to write an introduction to the email newsletter and just base it on the weather forecast for the next day to make it kind of fresh and, and original. And also to I asked it to take a look at whether the date corresponds with a, a holiday. So you know, if we're approaching Christmas or, or something like that, 4th of July, maybe it'll make a reference to that. And the early iterations of that were incredibly repetitive, would just like continuously re reference Christmas. And it wrote like it was just got done reading all of Gary Vee's books. And it was just very effusive and kind of cringy. I like Gary Vee, by, by the way, but people out there will probably, uh, some people know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, it, it was just very like, not a tone that I, I really wanted it to go to. I wanted it to be voicey, but not over the top and like it was. So it's required some uh, of what people have been generously calling prompt engineering. I call just like writing for the prompt of, of tweaking it to the point where it's now toned down. It's still a little bit on the cringe side sometimes with its choice of emoji or, and whatever, but maybe that's just my own taste for, for dryness. You know, it, it would fit right in on, on an Instagram feed, probably. And currently, it's what I understand is it's completely AI generated and it's not really having an editor that's reviewing it before publication. So, like, how concerned are you about the accuracy and reliability issues when using generative AI? Yeah. So, right now, it's pretty clearly labeled as an experimental newsletter, which gives us a little more leeway to make mistakes. I think we haven't fully released it to the to our readers. You know, we've advertised it, but we have not said like, this is our morning newsletter. We've said this is a weird AI experiment and you can get it if you want. And so we have some some hardcore early adopters getting it and hopefully they're tolerant of, of the occasional mistake. So the state of the art here is a little early on AI and, and we're using the APIs through a no-code automation tool, which makes it even more rickety. And, you know, on top of that, we're doing a bunch of different calls to the API to generate parts of this newsletter separately. So every time we publish an article, it creates three different types of summaries, one of which will later be used for the newsletter. On top of that, we then ask it to create summaries of the summaries for use as the subject line and the introduction to the email. We want it to, to list like three bullet points of, okay, here are the stories you're going to going to see, read when you, we get through this email. It, it's quite similar to some of the major newsletters out there in, in the way it's formatted. And that was somewhat deliberate. If it's working for them, it could very well work for us. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel too much here. But yeah, there's a lot of complexity and we've found errors in whether those errors are sometimes they're the, the result of just chat GPT weirdness and inconsistency. Other times it might be something on our end for a while, the summaries we generated, well, we we had it commit to memory the discussion that we were calling through the API. And so we had it summarize the, you know, gave it the article, said summarize it this way. And then we made the next call, just a addition to that conversation, you know, summarize it this other way. Well, what we found was that sometimes the uh, chat GPT would take a little longer to generate one than the other. And as a result, it was, we were essentially asking it to, to generate 
based on the article that had not fully processed in the previous step. And so it would just totally hallucinate just like whatever it thought was a prototypical Arlington story with no other other input. And so you got these like made up stories that seemed feasible, but they they were not. They were just totally made up whole cloth. <laughs> and, and so it made it that was not ideal, to say the least. So we had to call it a different way, feed it the, the article. Same with each step. You know, it's those kind of learnings, that kind of debugging that that's taking place. And there's no playbook for this. No one else is, my knowledge, writing about their efforts to do what we're trying to do here. Even still, like we had an issue today where we fed it the summaries of the summary. We've fed it the summaries of the articles in the in the newsletter and said, okay, come up with the bullet points in the subject line. And it just ignored it and kind of came up with its own made up thing again. And I have no, I, I couldn't tell you why. I really couldn't. So where, where is this all leading? This is all leading to saying that there will need to be some human intervention here once we launch it more widely, there will have to be an editing step. Right now, I do have it built in where an initial newsletter will go out that can be reviewed, and then we can go out and edit the email that's generated. But it's not like a process we've worked in with our staff. And if we're going to you know, really make this work, we're going to have to have to do that, unfortunately. It would be really nice if we could just totally automate the whole thing. Anytime you build in a step where someone has to do something at a certain time every day, you get enough things like that and it becomes hard. You start feeling a little overloaded. And the ideal for me here was if the AI could just operate autonomously. But based on what I'm seeing right now, I don't think that's quite the case. I think there need, at least needs to be a review step. But we have had some newsletters that I would say are pretty well done. And when we've surveyed the early adopters who are getting it, they've been positive about the writing and the accuracy. So there are encouraging signs, but there are also the frustrations that we're going to have to address going forward. And how does your audience feel about getting a completely AI-generated content? The people who have signed up for it have signed up like very eyes wide open. So we haven't gotten feedback from a wider audience on this. I think what we saw in the comments, and we have a very active comment section on ARL now, was some trepidation. You know, people asking if this is so important, why don't you just do it yourselves? And, you know, I... I I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jumped in there and explained that the situation we're in where we are, we have a limited staff and we need to prioritize our time. And I didn't don't think that summarizing our own work is necessarily the best use of that time. And I think people were, were understanding. There's a lot of hand wringing around AI and its role in journalism. And 
my thought on this is that readers are, are probably going to, by and large, be accepting of it. You know, as long as the output is something that is reliable and accurate and written in a way that's engaging enough to be a decent read, I don't think readers ultimately are going to care that much. They have a goal that is independent of how something gets written. Yeah. And if you release this and launch this newsletter with the current format and the generation that GPT is doing, how much time do you think your reporters would require to make this publishable and accurate enough? Do you think it helps you generate like a good first draft and reduces your time there or it still requires a lot of reworking? Yeah. So the email is, there's not a ton of rewriting that needs to be done for the email from what I've seen. If we're talking about, you know, trying to get ChatGPT to write articles for publication on the site, then there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get those up to what we would consider, you know, publication quality for us. Sometimes it's not too bad if the subject's simple enough and the, the input is you know pretty solid in terms of like a press release or whatever. But most of the times I kind of feel it's not worth the, the effort. Yeah, you know, if it's simple enough for the AI to handle it, it's simple enough for a reporter to to just crank out in like 10, 15 minutes and do so in a way that's going to be more engaging and informative for our readers generally. I don't think that's always going to be the case. And I don't think that that people in this industry should have that as a takeaway, that that AI is going to always kind of remain in the current state or something near it. I do think it'll it'll get better. And, and, and once you have an ability to, to pull in material from your own archives to use as reference material, both in terms of writing style and, you know, linking back to previous stories, then I think I think it starts getting a lot more interesting. It's still not going to be able to tackle a complex city council or county board type story that requires going to a meeting, talking to people. It's not going to do that. But for stories that are a little more straightforward in terms of source material, I do think it'll have a get to the point where you'll get mostly publication worthy stories that only need to be lightly edited and actually do connect with readers. But there's going to be a right way to go about it in a wrong way. There's going to be, I'm sure that some people are going to try to go down the easy path. Let's just have this do everything for us or, you know, crank out a whole bunch of low value content. And the fact of the matter is on, on the internet, yeah, there are SEO content farms and whatnot where you can get away with low value content. But I think in local news, there's a higher bar because you have a smaller target audience, right? You have a geographically constrained target audience. And local news is going to work as a, as a business online only if you engage a very you know, substantial portion of that audience. And the way you do that is by really producing good work and covering stories that are important to the lives of readers. And in a way that's engaging and, and gives them the information that they need to form opinions and discuss it with their friends. The AI, I just don't think it's going to reliably do that for the kind of range of stories you do in, in local news. I think it'll fill some gaps and there will be an advancement and it'll exceed where a lot of people think it could go. But I also think that just in general, humans like hearing from other humans. The robot, it's going to be obvious. I think that you know, AI is going to put higher value on human-produced work and creativity. And if you want to get that critical mass of an audience in local, you're going to have to do human things. The robots are not going to solve the local news crisis alone. 
Yeah. And what I'm really hearing is kind of diversification of content seems to be where AI could really help in terms of just being able to repurpose your news and your content for other platforms. And that's how you've been exploring AI and thinking about AI in your newsroom. So could you talk about more in terms of like what your newsroom is specifically doing other than the newsletters with AI and helping produce content that way? So again, you know, our our newsroom, our staff, very focused on finding stories, reporting original stories, serving our readers and being a comprehensive local news source. What we're less focused on right now is how can we take this raw material of news articles, rather, written by humans, edited by humans, and put it into different forms that connect to readers in different ways. So the morning newsletter that we talked about, that's one additional channel by which we're hoping to reach even more readers with the same reporting output. But I think that there are going to be additional opportunities, especially as it relates to multimedia. So I've looked into whether we could have AI-generated content work together with automations to put together videos for us and for uploads to YouTube. So these news summaries we're doing in the email newsletter, could they be remixed further so as to be narrated by an AI-generated voice and made into a a video that utilizes photos that our articles used. I think that'd be pretty cool. I bet some people would like to consume news in that way. Not enough people to get us to do that ourselves by hand and and utilize that extra time. But with a AI output with a very low variable cost of a few pennies, that could be worthwhile. And, and, And again, reach readers in a different way, give us another channel by which we can engage readers and be discovered by by people out there. Unfortunately, the, the no-code automations right now, we, we kind of hit some dead ends in, in terms of making this work in a way that doesn't totally suck. But I think that, that these possibilities, some people, at some point, the vendor ecosystem out there, the tech companies out there, I think are going to probably figure out stuff like this. And would not surprise me if in a few years, something like that off the shelf gets made and becomes another way we take advantage of this this news content we're already generating. And I'm just curious, what uh, voice generation tools and video generation tools were you looking at? So th- there was something called ShotStack, which is uh, works with Zapier to kind of put together videos. And Amazon Poly is a, you know, through AWS, is a text-to-speech engine. There are other text-to-speech engines, but they don't work with Zapier, at least not yet, not that I saw. So once some of these tools mature and, and maybe you know have more extensibility into to Zapier and you know, other platforms like that, I can see us you know, homebrewing some more cool stuff for which we can use the AI. But right now, I, I think we're in a place where we've kind of reached the end point of, of the use cases, uh, at least with the current level of brainstorming. You know, there might be more ways we can use it and in, in other channels by which we can put it to work. For instance, we have a Facebook group that's kind of not in use right now of like 20,000 people interested in Northern Virginia news, and I never know what to do with it. So, you know, do we use the AI to help generate content for that news summaries or something? Maybe. I don't know. It could be. I, I don't know the exact approach we would take. But in terms of like the low hanging fruit, I think what we've discussed here is is it for now. And so could you tell me more about how you've been experimenting with different ways and like chatbots and sort of back office items? Yeah, so we are doing some some things on the business side. I will preface this by saying that it's pretty nascent and people aren't necessarily using it that much at this point. But 
I created an, an AI chatbot through Zapier. Zapier has a, a chatbot functionality that's in in beta right now, where our sponsor content clients, so the, the advertisers who book sponsor content with us, can use the chatbot to create their sponsored article. And the chatbot is tuned to create it in such a way where it's kind of a, the length and, and format that we think is going to be effective for the clients. And, and in many cases, I would say that the chatbot would create a sponsored article for the client that's more effective with, than what they would otherwise send us. Keeping in mind that a lot of our clients are smaller businesses that are you know, small to medium-sized businesses that maybe don't have a ton to, to invest in iterating around their sponsored content on our site. But that's one example. Again, it, it hasn't been really been used. I think it, that whole AI thing is still scaring some people away. But it exists and it works. And it's something that I could see gaining more use down the line. And we, we've looked into other other AI use cases to help our business team, the advertising side. It brainstorms social posts for sponsored content. You know, it'll Slack it out put it in Slack and we can just copy and paste one of the three potential social posts it generates. Sometimes we use it, sometimes we don't. Some of them are good, some of them not so good. But that's another one where, you know, it's just helping us with our creativity or finding ways to save time. But yeah, you know, it, it's not just the editorial side. It's the business side as well. There, there are going to be definite applications and I'm, I'm hoping to do a little more to to help us streamline processes or maybe connect with clients a little better. You know, for instance, helping compose emails to clients that, that aren't as formulaic, maybe giving us a little little intro that talks about the weather or something. I don't know. We haven't done that yet for, for the record, but, but a bunch of possibilities out there. And as you've been saying, small newsrooms, you're facing resource constraints, operating on like a shoestring budget, really. And AI seems to be opening up some new, hopefully, doors for reaching audience. So what's your take for other small newsrooms who are looking to use AI? What should they be keeping in mind while entering into the space? I think one thing to keep in mind here is that building it yourself is totally possible. And, you know, if you have a strong need, uh, that could definitely be worth it. For others, you know, maybe the, the slow follow route here is the best one where let's kind of wait and see what's built around AI, the uh, specific applicability to newsrooms. Because if you if you go out and, and you sp- invest too much in creating uh, AI tools that custom to to your your newsroom, I think you might find down the road that actually those were already being built and probably built better than how you were able to do it yourself. So it's definitely worthy of, of experimentation. It's definitely worthy of building out some custom stuff when it's high value in terms of the output and, and not a ton of cost to, to do so. But just know that it seems like every VC in the Valley is just throwing tons of money at every AI use case and company they can find. So a whole bunch of stuff is on the way. And I think assuming that the way things are, is, it's going to remain generally the same. It is, would be a mistake and, and be prepared for more stuff to come down that you know, very well could be disruptive or could make stuff you've built totally outdated. Yeah. And talking about disruption, and you've been innovating with AI in this space and early experimenter and adopter. So I want to hear more about, to wrap up really, looking ahead, kind of the possibilities seem endless. And so what do you see the future of AI playing in local journalism, especially in content creation and distribution? Yeah. So I do think that we will get more and better tools for utilizing your content archives to tune the AI output. That's going to come and that's going to 
really up the level of, of what the generative AI can can create for uh, for publication. So I'm just kind of like waiting on that to happen before doing more of that. I think on the visual side, it's going to be very interesting to see how AI might take some visuals for a story and turn it into something even better. So, you know, let's say we have a gallery of five photos. Could AI take those and make an even more compelling animation or video or something out of that that kind of ups the game in terms of you know maybe there's a there's a time in the not too distant future where just throwing a photo or a small gallery on a page is not going to be enough because of what ai can do so you know that's another thing to to be prepared for i've been doing a lot of thinking about this social media right now and multimedia because i think that text on page is going to be something that is to some degree devalued by AI, right? You're going to get a lot more text-based content that's AI-driven on the internet. And while that might not be specifically disruptive to local news, I think it's harder to do so for local where there are fewer sources of data from which you can pull easily for, for AI applications. I do think that overall the internet is going to grow with all this AI content and there's a good chance that you know, the ad rates you get keep going down and and the ability to pull people out from search engines will will be become harder you know as there's more content and as Google tries to give people more answers right on the search engine rather than directing them to to pages so you know the hedge to that is how can we do more on multimedia how can we connect with people in a more engaging way through our reporters and editors having conversations? How can we do more conversational stuff, engaging stuff on social media that, that maybe doesn't rely on people to click a link to go to your site, but you still get some sort of a brand and audience and business advantage from it? I do think AI could play a role here. Maybe it's a kind of a bank shot where it's indirect. For instance, you know, I want to launch a, a new podcast where it's me and, and my uh, you know, reporters talking about lo- some of the local news stories of the week. Well, there's a lot of prep work that goes into that, right? But what if we can have the AI kind of pick the stories that it thinks are going to be the most engaging and then create some questions, create a little script and, and save that 15 to 30 minutes that I would have otherwise have spent? That could be a very valid use case where it's not ultimately showing up directly on the page or on the screen, but it's saving enough time that it makes things like that more possible. And when you're in in a short-staffed situation like local news where you have one, two, or three people per site, we have about two people per site with a little little extra freelance help on the side, you know, saving those 30 minutes, it's actually quite valuable. So yeah, I think AI applications will be, there will be the stuff you see and there will be the stuff you don't see. And maybe it's a little harder to think about now, but will become obvious as, as we get further down the road of like, okay, well, here's something where it is saving time and allowing us to do stuff that we otherwise would be time constrained or otherwise resource constrained from doing. It's the sentiment I agree with you. I mean, textual based content is going to be everywhere. And what's really going to set local news apart is that connection that we have to readers and getting into the community there. So I really like the way you've brought up some use cases and helped brainstorm in terms of like what we could be doing with AI throughout this entire conversation. And thank you so much for joining us, uh, Scott. It's uh, really exciting to see how you've been experimenting with AI. And I'm really excited to see how the local news landscape and how you'll be kind of pioneering with the experiments you're doing there. Thank you for having me. This was a, a fun discussion. It's going to be really fun to see how 
this whole space evolves over the next few years. I think there's going to be a lot coming down the pike that we're not expecting. That was Scott Broadbeck, the founder and CEO of Local News Now. This podcast is made possible thanks to the Harvard Innovation Lab's Spark Grant. I'm Nikita Roy, and this is Newsroom Robots. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.